Good morning. Happy Monday. And welcome to the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Amy G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Today's date is Monday, October 10th, 2022. Today we are reading from the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We are in the chapter more about alcoholism on page 33, the third paragraph, starting with to be gravely affected, ending in, but try and get them to see it, unpacking that one paragraph. Today's readers are, and thank you for your service, Team Monday, Marge O, Vanessa G, Elizabeth D, Nancy T, the newcomer greeter, Loretta M, and the host for the second unrecorded hour, Matt J F. The reference number for yesterday's special edition on Sunday, October 9th, 2022, is 19,497. That's 19497. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book Study, Our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask for Elizabeth D. to read the 12 steps. Go ahead, Elizabeth. Elizabeth, are you there? Press star one. Elizabeth D., did we lose you? Okay, maybe we've lost Elizabeth D. I'm assuming I can still be heard. So, let's see here. You're fine. Amy, this is Katie G. Do you want me to read the 12 steps? Uh, yeah, go ahead, Katie. That's fine. Okay. This is Katie G, recovered in Boston. These are the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, 
admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our own. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, I'll be right there. Humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive eaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. I pass. Thank you, Katie G., for filling in. Um, I know, Ken, you were stepping up there, too. Yes. Amy, this is Elizabeth. I apologize. I was hitting pound, uh, pound one instead of star one. I was here. I apologize to everybody for the confusion. Oh, Thank you. It was no problem, Elizabeth. We early in the morning, and we never rise above being human. So appreciate you, and uh, no problem. We got we got you covered. We got your back. Okie doke. I'm now going to ask for Nancy T to read the twelve traditions. Nancy, could you please go ahead? Thank you. Good morning, everybody. Nancy T, Compulsive Overeater in Lewiston, Idaho. Uh, the 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our good conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, I'll pass. Thank you, Nancy T. Okay, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. If you go over, you'll hear me say time. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only, please. 
Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. Again, this meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute your phone. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone again. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We are in the chapter more about alcoholism. We are on page 33 at the third paragraph, and I am going to ask Marge O to get us started. Go ahead, Marge. Can't wait. Good morning. Marge O from Massachusetts, currently visiting in uh, the Outer Banks, North Carolina. To be gravely affected, one does not necessarily have to drink a long time nor take the quantities some of us have. This is particularly true of women. Potential female alcoholics often turn into the real thing and have gone beyond recall in a few years. Certain drinkers, who are greatly insulted if called alcoholics, are astonished at their inability to stop. We, who are familiar with the symptoms, see large numbers of potential alcoholics among young people everywhere, but try and get them to see it. So, good morning again. Thank you for allowing me to do service. I just wanted to comment on this paragraph especially because I just, when I think of it as food, I do know (laughs) as a young child, I started overeating for many reasons, but mostly I believe I had that potentiality since since I was very young, that sensitivity to, um, especially to, flour and sugar. Um, I was a kid that would take a, would be emotionally upset and take two great big peanut butter marshmallow sandwiches on course on Wonder Bread, because that helped build strong bodies and eight ways or some crazy thing. And, um, and you know, would hide up in a tree to make sure I didn't have to share it with anybody. And I could have my best friend with me, which at that point in my life, of course, was food. And I had difficulty with food from when I was a young person. I just couldn't say no to it. And I was selfish and self-centered as far as when I got a treat, which I considered peanut butter marshmallow a big treat, I would hide so that no one could see me eating it and you wouldn't dare ask me for a piece of it. Regarding, you know, drinking, you know, in itself, which is what this is, you know, the this point that's what the big book was talking about but again I kept going on these crazy diets especially as a young person when I look at old old pictures I see that I was a normal size in high school but because everybody else was in my perception was much thinner much smaller I always was trying to diet and get off another few pounds it never lasted and which is the point it never would last because I would always have some sort of treat to get into the diet because that's what other people did. I found out at a very young age I was not what I could not do what other people did, but I didn't let that in and take it in and join away until I was 
um, between 35 and 40. It was so so murky. I'm not even sure at what age. I just knew nothing fit, and I was miserable. And I was fortunate enough to be introduced to the big book at an early age. Not that I did the kind of studying we do here, but enough to recognize the symptoms and the, the, how I was living with food and many other things was just not going to, it wasn't going to work. I was never going to just be able to leave certain foods alone. That's how I felt, except I found out differently. I found out through the 12 steps that you could live differently and that I didn't have to depend on food to be my best friend. I could have a higher power and that higher power has has stayed with me all these years and the intensity has become more as time has gone on. And I'm forever grateful for this program and for all of you. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Marge O. Thank you for getting us started. Okay, although we value your experience, strength, and hope, if you share in the last couple of days, like a Thursday or Friday, we ask that you step aside and let others share their experience, strength, and hope as well. So who would like to share on what was read on page 33? Third paragraph. Charles. Gotcha. Rena L. Rena L. Teresa P. I think it was someone else I missed that came in at the same time as Rena. Who was that, please? Jen H. Jen H. Anyone else? I have Charles H., Rena L., Teresa P., Jen H. Stephanie R. Stephanie R. Lisa O. Lisa O. I could take a couple more. All right. We got ourselves a great lineup here. Charles H., Rena L., Teresa P., Jen H., Stephanie R., and Lisa O. All right, Charles, take it away. You are up. Amy, what's good? My teammates love you like cooked food, abstinent cooked <laughs> food. And, and uh, <laughs> yo, it's Charles H. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And don't get it twisted. I love food. And, uh, yeah, I definitely love food. Um. And I want to, I want to, I want to chop up this part where it's. I uh, see my Jamaican accent coming in, man. I've been busy. I want to chop up this part where it's uh, um, uh, uh, certain drinkers who would be greatly insulted if called alcoholics. Um, I used to be greatly super sensitive, um, insulted if you call me a real compulsive overeater. You know, I, I um. So I heard this speaker way across the country in England. This ain't original. Let me tell you, a lot of things that's stated in Overeaters Anonymous is not original, like quit stuff in your face and start facing your stuff. Um, shout out to the panelists yesterday. Y'all murdered it. It was beautiful. Um, mm-hmm. But I heard this person say, anything above nutrition is addiction. How disturbing is that? Right? Like, that's so dope. Like, um... So it's like, call me a compulsive overeater. Don't call me late to breakfast, all right? Because that's who I am. And, like, I'm grateful for being that, knowing that. Like, you know, all these years of being insulted, oh, you big, oh, you this, oh, you that, oh, you, you know, 
call me that, right? Because that's who I am. Matter of fact, call me. You know what? If a if 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 a speaker is speaking and they don't disturb me, you ain't doing nothing. You know, and and try to get them to see it. You know, there's three ways I can get y'all say it to, y'all say it together with me. Uh, Start one with me right now. Recover, recover, recover. That's how I can get them to see it or get them not to see it. And, you know, I'm just, I'm so grateful to be here with y'all. I've been busy working with sponsors during this time, but I still listen to y'all, and I love y'all like cook, abstinent food. Don't get it twisted. Compulsive overeaters love to eat. That's why we up in here. And with that, I'm out. Love y'all. Thank you, Charles H. All righty. Rena L., you are up, followed by Teresa P. Hi, this is Rena, a recovered compulsive eater uh, from Ohio. Hi, everyone. Good morning. Um, well, now what to say after all that comment? Uh, let's just think about all that. But um, <laughs> I, um, you know, um, on the what the reading reminds me of the most is just the progression of my disease and what I used to say about it 18 years ago when I came in and the fact that I just gratefully have seven months of being abstinent. Um, after 18 years uh, in program, almost 19. Um, And I'm thinking how I used to think, well, I'm all alone, so I eat. What I didn't realize is I was alone because I ate. Like I just, the progression, like it took me so long to finally realize that I chose food over people every time. I used, when I first came in, I said, I would never be like those people that eat all night. Once I get in my room and close the door at night, at least I could sleep. Not true. Years on, I became an all-night eater. I used to say, well, not in the morning. I became an all-morning, you know, wake up and eat. Uh, By the end, this time around, I was ordering food in the middle of the night, sneaking out of bed (laughs) and getting the DoorDash delivery in the middle of the night when I live almost pretty close to the country. That's how far off I am. Um, And then on the other side of my disease, lying to my husband about my weight, because when my weight goes down, I also have anorexia. I would lie about how low my weight was, as if nobody could see, as if no one could see my food addiction, as if no one could see my anorexia. And meanwhile, I come to these meetings and was afraid to use the word, not afraid, in denial to use the word, hi, I'm Rena. I'm a compulsive overeater. I'm Rena. I'm an anorexic. I wouldn't use them. I'd come up with all sorts of euphemisms. So I just feel grateful today to be able to say, I'm Rena. I'm a recovered compulsive eater because that's who I am. And I will keep coming back. Thank you. Thank you so much, Rena L. from Ohio. All right, Teresa P. followed by John H. Go ahead, Teresa. Grab the mic. Okay. Hi, I'm Teresa, recovered compulsive reader from California. And I am so grateful to be able to say I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And when I first got into OA, I was just thrilled to hear that there was a disease, that I had a disease called compulsive overeating. It was just like, this is great. I felt so vindicated and the shame lifted from me because I had carried this tremendous load of what's wrong with me. You know, all these other people, you know, they, well, because I was always looking at only the thin ones. You know, they can stay thin and then they can like eat this stuff or even more amazing still, they could like take a bite of something and then walk away from it. It's like, we would like leave it there. Now I would be watching it, but they could leave it. Or what? What's what's wrong with me? And I, I always heard growing up, you know, I heard from my mom and stuff. You know, it's just like, oh, well, just have one. 
you know, just, just, you know, just have some and let the rest go. And, and I could never do that. And again, wondering what's wrong with me in the diet. Oh gosh, I started dieting from as far back as I can remember. And, you know, sometimes it only lasted, you know, a couple of hours because I just couldn't do it. But sometimes I could be very successful at it and lose weight. But, you know, it, it never helped because I always gained it back. You know, it's, and it was just always progressively worse and worse and got sicker and sicker. And it was just so, so scary and, you know, so, so shameful because I could not share my problem with anybody because nobody understood. At least none of the people I talked to. Well, I talked to very few. Mostly it was me, myself, and I up in my head going. And even talking to God and thinking, God, you know, that didn't work either. And, you know, this is such a cunning, baffling, powerful disease. And it's so misunderstood by everybody, even those of us who have it. It's so confusing. Well, of course it is, you know, because it's just like the doctor says, your allergy to the obsession of the mind. And the obsession of the mind is worse. And the worst thing is it tells me I don't have a disease. I'm fine. You can take one now. It's okay. Just one won't bother, you know, thousands of times. I take me on and can't stop eating. But I fall, you know, victim to the disease every time. The good news is there is recovery. And I, I love it. Recover, recover, recover. That's all I can do. And, you know, and it just keep coming back and, you know, keep doing my part, working my steps. And, because it's my way to God, because only God can deliver me from this thing. And, and I have been delivered, you know. I have a daily reprise, contingent on, you know, my spiritual condition, which means I get to keep working the steps. And, you know, it's all about you know, looking at 10-step and, you know, looking at myself and one more time my humanness and and uh, sharing that with another and giving it to God and, and taking time with God. Because, you know, I, I can't do anything without God. But first of all, i got to listen. Okay. <laughs> and I hear the bell. So, and then working with others. And so there is a solution and it does work. So thank you for letting me share in that task. Thank you, Teresa P. All righty, Jen H. followed by Stephanie R. Please go ahead, Jen. Good morning. Thank you. Uh, my name is Jen H. I'm a recovering compulsive overeater in Virginia. And um, I think someone already said this, but when I looked at this, I thought of myself and my progression of this disease. And I learned about OA in my mid-20s and went to meetings and had periods of what was that I thought was my absence and whatever. But now I am here in my 50s, and um, it, you know, potential female compulsive reader. I think I w- was a compulsive reader even in my teenage and younger years. And this d- disease, you know, is so and overwhelming to the point where my last relapse was just last couple of relapses were just vicious. And um, it takes us a bit to, for us to try and get us to see it. For me, to get it and see it. Um, it took a lot, and I, but I was grateful that every time I was desperate enough and willing enough, OA was still here. And um, I'm very grateful today to um, be willing to do what I'm told and willing to turn to God of trying to rely on my own self because I have an inability to stop. And without this program, um, I'm just buried in the food, and with it, I have such a freedom. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you so much, Jen H. from Virginia. 
Okay, Stephanie R. followed by Lisa O. And then we're going to take some more names. Just a friendly reminder, we are on page 33, the third paragraph, reading that one paragraph only. Okay, Stephanie, your turn. Hi, this is Stephanie R. calling from Missouri. Um, Very grateful to be here. Very grateful to claim my seat. I knew that I had a a very um, unusual relationship with food when I was very, very young. I didn't have a name for it, but I knew that my need for food to make me feel better, sad, um, happy, anything whatsoever, I found that food amplified that feeling, and I used that all through my life. It wasn't until I got into my 30s that I realized and got a term for that as compulsive overeater, and I held on to that. I knew that I was a compulsive overeater and someone who did not do well with emotions. Um, It wasn't until I got into my 50s that I really understood what recovery in a program meant, and coming to these meetings gives me a sense of belonging, a sense of um, acceptance, and when I find I am putting people, places, or things in a position too close to my higher power or above my program, I'm I'm not using the tools to um, recover, and I come to these meetings to be reminded that HP is always first, and my program will take its proper position and I will recover when I use the tools and reach out and do what I need to to maintain the serenity that I have when I'm in these rooms and doing what I need to to really experience the life God has for me. So I'm grateful to be here today, putting my program right behind my higher power, and thank you for letting me share. Thank you so much, Stephanie R. from Missouri. Okay, Lisa O., and then we're going to take some more names. Go ahead, Lisa. It is your turn. Good morning. Thank you so much. My name is Lisa O. I'm calling from Western Massachusetts, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater for today. And so grateful to be off today and be able to um, to speak. And what called to me was the line: um, "Certain drinkers, um, and then skip a little bit, are astonished at their inability to stop." And that astonished, um, I remember that feeling. But of being astonished, I worked with, you know, long years of suffering from um, disordered eating and working with a nutritionist and finally figuring some things out. And just, I felt so good. Like, this was it. This was the plan. This is what was going to work. And it actually did work for a while. And I felt really good and was doing great until I thought I could have just a little bit, just a taste, just a little of this or whatever. And I remember because I had about 60 days of not eating my trigger foods. And when I thought I could do the moderation thing, uh, I, I can picture myself right now in the kitchen. I was just literally astonished at how out of control I instantly was. Um, it just, it's just insane. I, I just, I really hadn't thought about this in a while. So it's really coming back to me, these emotions. And I just remember standing there thinking, what is wrong with me? Like, how could I have done so good for all this time, and now I'm completely out of control. Can't stop thinking about certain foods. Keep eating them, keep eating, keep eating them. And that's when, you know, long story short, it's when I realized I, I did have a problem, you know, because I remember saying that something is really wrong with me. And I had been in OA before, but didn't really pay attention to the big book or the steps. That was the missing part for me. And um, 
So other things happened to me. It took me a couple months to finally find my way um, to OA, and now it's been three years. And now, and now I'm astonished again. I'm astonished that I can be around food that used to call my name, and I don't even smell it. I don't even have any desire for it. I can make things for my family as you know, out of love. And that is a gift, you know, to them. And it just doesn't, it just doesn't even save me. And, you know, that's another, I'm just astonished by that because for so many years, that was never a possibility. You know, I'm astonished that if I just put in the, the effort, if I rely on my higher power, who I call God, if I do the steps, if I work the program, which for me, that's making my calls, we follow my food plan, attending meetings, doing reading and writing. It works. Everything works. And my life is so incredibly, just so much richer, so much better. Um, and I'm just so grateful for everyone who's always on these lines and sharing their stories of experience, strength, and hope. And thank you so much for letting me share. I pass. Thank you so much, Lisa O. from Western Massachusetts. Okay, so we have time now to take some more names. Who would like to share what was read? Page 30. Jackie B. from the Bronx. Third paragraph. Jackie B. Ken W.H. Ken. Talia D. Talia D. Okay. Yeah. Nancy S. Oh, sorry. Nancy S. As in Sam. Chrissy O. Yes. Yes. Chrissy O. Okay. Have we got a few more? Anyone else? Okay. Another great lineup. Jackie B, Ken WH, Paulia D, Nancy S, and Chrissy O. Go ahead, Jackie. Step on up. Hi, I'm Jackie B from the Bronx. Thank you, everyone, for your shares. Um, totally, you know, hit me right between the eyes. Um, you know, this disease has, you know, riddled my body, has riddled my my emotions, my feelings, uh, my perception of a higher power. Um, you know, there is nothing in this world, or I know nothing in this world, um, is stronger than my disease unless I work the steps. Okay. I put that out there because, you know, if I don't get out of my selfish, self-centered way, I think the whole world is against me. I think that I'm right, they're wrong, that they should love me unconditionally, but accept everything I tell them to do and want them to do. Um, that's, that's not what life is about. You know, um, I remember, I've been in this program over 30 years, and I've given away over 150 pounds, and I'm still a compulsive overeater. I'm still untreated every single morning. And every single morning, I have to accept that I'm a compulsive overeater, and if I don't reach out to others, if I don't um, delve into the steps every single day, I will eat compulsively, I will be of no service to anyone other than that food in the refrigerator. And I will not be able to concentrate. I will not be able to drive because God knows the food is more important than driving. Good thing I didn't get in an accident. I'm still alive today. Um, you know, I, 
this is the truth. There's nothing more than I can say other than I have to work these steps. I have to admit that I'm self-centered. Even if I do 10 million things, if I don't do it with a pure heart, then I'm just manipulating people to do what I want. And that's the difference in recovery. When you're in recovery, you know when you're selfish. You know when you're self-centered. You know you're just doing something to get something back out of it. That's the difference in recovery than when um, you say you do something. So I put that out there. I hope you take what you want and you leave the rest. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jackie B. from the Bronx. Okay, Ken W.H. followed by Polly D. Please go ahead, Ken. Thank you, Amy. This is Ken W.H., Recover Compulsive Overeater from North Carolina. <clears throat> Grateful to be here today. Um, I have been called all sorts of things all my life. Um, I don't ever remember being called a compulsive overeater. I remember being called fatso and chubby and fat slob and uh, porky and you name it. I've been called all sorts of things. And I um, I don't know that I was insulted. I didn't know how to be insulted then. I, <clears throat> I felt ashamed. <laughs> That's all. I felt ashamed. And when I felt ashamed, I ate. So it just perpetuated uh, the thing. So... Um, Try to convince me that I was a compulsive overeater. No, I wasn't going to listen early on. I didn't even know what that un- meant. I didn't. I wouldn't have understood those words anyway at such a young age. But um, I understood the other words, and I understood the other names that I was called, and and the spirit in which they were spoken. Um, that's a hard one to get through, and yet this program has the capability of doing that too. Um, today, call me what you will, and I'm still being called certain <laughs> all sorts of things. <laughs> uh, but um, uh, the one thing I am being called that I hear, and I have come to learn to hear and listen for in this program, as uh, in a way that I've never before been able to accept it, is uh, being called a child of God and one of his kids. Um, My goodness, uh, no shame in that. And I'm not ashamed (laughs) to be a child of God and to be in recovery, to be getting weller every day, um, more and more so, but um, not ashamed not ashamed to be who I am today and not ashamed to be a compulsive overeater. That's what I am, and it's okay because uh, God's got a hold of me, and there's no way I'm going to let go. (laughs) And uh, I've already threatened him that if he lets go of me, I'm coming back anyway. So thanks for letting me share. I pass. Thank you so much, Ken W.H. from North Carolina. Okay, Paulia D, followed by Nancy S. Go ahead, Paulia. Hi. Hi. Um, my name is Talia, as in Natalia. But it's oh, Talia. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> and D as in dog. I'm from Minnesota, um, a recovered compulsive overeater. And the first sentence of the paragraph 
to be gravely affected, one does not necessarily have to drink a long time nor take the quantities some of us have. So does how long a person drinks have much to do with the powerlessness of this disease? No, it doesn't. Does a person have to drink long and hard to become a hopeless alcoholic or hopeless compulsive overeater? No. Um, it's different for everyone. And I um, may, and some people are younger, some people are older. You know, I may have not had 300 pounds to lose, but the, the shame and the guilt that I had from my disease and the binging and purging, um, that often felt like it was 300 pounds. Um, and to be gravely affected, so gravely, uh, seriously, like deadly, seriously. Um, I actually was in a car accident because um, I, it was in the middle of the night. I had gone to Walgreens, got a ton of candy and binge foods and um, all the things. Um, and uh, was eating and ran into a tree, totaled my parents' Lexus. I was 28 years old. I'm 36 now. Um, they did a field sobriety test on me and a breathalyzer. It was 0.0, .0 although I failed the field sobriety test because I was a nervous wreck. Um, but yeah, I wasn't drunk, but I was drunk on the food. I was reaching for some Reese's peanut butter cups that fell down and then I crashed the car into a tree totaled it in the middle of the night and that still didn't stop me um and you know that was what six eight years ago and I still didn't see how unmanageable and out of control everything was and um so yeah I I just thought of that and and then you know it goes on in the paragraph and says certain drinkers who would be greatly insulted if called alcoholics. I never wanted to identify as a compulsive overeater. I had so much shame and guilt and was embarrassed and would never tell anyone. If I was in a relationship with someone, I always tried to pretend I was a normal eater around them and stuff and not share. Um, and now I'm not insulted. I am like honored to be a part of this. and so grateful and I prayed for the day uh, that I would be able to say I was a grateful recovered compulsive overeater and um, that oh and my time is up so thank you I pass thank you so much Talia D from Minnesota okay Nancy F you're up followed by Chrissy L please go ahead thank you for this meeting I so look forward to this every morning now um, I apologize for the noise. I'm trying to park for work, but um, wow. Nancy, can you tell us where you're from? Introduce oh, yourself. Sorry. Massachusetts. Um, okay. Yeah, Massachusetts. Um, so, anyways, as a young kid, I would hide in the woods with boxes of cereal and things like that when I was. Um, I had gone through a rather traumatic thing as a child where I put a man in court, I mean in jail when I was nine years old, and uh, 
and the shame because I wasn't supposed to talk about anything, the shame kicked in, and then the food, that was it. So I, um, yeah, I ate myself silly and wondered constantly, what is wrong with me? I couldn't get a handle on it. When I was a teenager, I found cigarettes, and I got skinny. So when I quit cigarettes, I blew up like a tick again. So again, I was faced with the illness. And um, I did in about four years ago, but honestly, it's this program only since I've been in a vision that it's finally clicking, that I've been saying I've been trying to make the brownies backwards, and which means I was trying to do all the steps, all the, I mean all the tools, and all of that, and not putting down the food. And I've since put the food down for about nine days, and it's really starting to take off. I heard a really cool thing yesterday. Somebody said, I spent all my last years in hell, and I found out it took 12 steps to get to heaven. And I just thought that was the coolest thing. (laughs) So, anyways, thank you all for all your shares, and thank you for letting me be here this morning. Thank you, Nancy S. from Massachusetts. Okay, we have Chrissy O., and then we'll be able to take a few more names. Again, we're on page 33, the third paragraph. All right, Chrissy, you're up. Hello, my name is Chrissy O. I'm in Indiana, and I am a recovering compulsive overeater. Um, You know, gravely affected. I I didn't necessarily have to fill in the blank, drink for a long time, eat for a long time. I didn't necessarily have to, um, you know, uh, just eat one of something and then bam, it took over, you know, and I was gravely affected. Um, This disease is so powerful, you know, to be abstinent for quite a while and then, you know, have something, uh, eat a a food that you don't think is going to trigger you and it does and become gravely affected. And then further down in the paragraph, you know, astonished at their inability to stop. And that's what makes me an addict. You know, uh, always wanting more, 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 the disease of more, never being satisfied. You know, I had to give up control. I had to get vulnerable, go through these steps, and let the supernatural power of God do for me what I could not do for myself. And I'll say, like I've heard a, a couple other fellows today, I had to recover, recover, recover. I had to put the food down, all the food down, all, all, all. And I had to come in and sit all the way down and listen. I am stubborn, uh, know-it-all, uh, the defects are unbelievable, but there is a God bigger than this disease, and this th- my God is uh, awesome. And with that, I will pass. Chrissy O, Indiana. Thank you so much, Chrissy from Indiana. Okay, so we have some time. We could take probably looks like about three or so. Margaret P. Um, P from Pennsylvania. Margaret D. in Georgia. Thank you. Jen Jen S. Pamela P. Jen S. Okay, let's hold, let's see, 43. Yeah, we'll probably take one more. Margaret P. Pamela P. 
or D, I'm not sure, Jen S. Heather M. All right, there we go. We got it now. Okay, Margaret, Pamela, Jen, and Heather. Go ahead, Margaret P., you're up. Hey, good morning, everybody. Uh, my name is Margaret D., and I'm in Georgia, and I'm very, very grateful um, to be a recovered, compulsive eater, recovered, really through God's grace and mercy. Um, when he talks about to be greatly affected, one does not necessarily have to drink a long time, nor take the quantity some of us have. I was gravely affected by the time I was like six or seven years old. And I had not taken, I mean, at six or seven, I was not 150 pounds overweight. As a matter of fact, I was a normal weight. Um, well, I won't say normal, but I was well within the healthy range of um, what a six or seven-year-old child should weigh. Where I realized that I was gravely affected was the first time that um, I realized in in my head and in my heart that there is something wrong with me. And, you know, my obviously, again, as a small child, my thinking was not, it was that of a child. That's all there is to it. So, um, but what I did was because I didn't know how to deal with my emotions, um, I thought that, um, you know, if I lost weight, I'd be okay. And that's kind of how the disease has affected me ever since, that when my emotions or my thinking is off or, you know, not, when it's just crazy, um, then if I go on a diet or lose weight or weigh a certain amount of pounds or whatever, I'll be okay. So, um, again, at six or seven, I got this diet candy, and you were supposed to eat one small square with a cup of hot water. I ate the whole box in one sitting, and um, I was hooked. From then on out, I knew that food would always make me feel better. And so at that point, I was gravely affected, and the rest of it was just playing it out day by day, um, you know, to the point where I was suicidal 40 years later because of this compulsive eating. Um, and then the the other, the last line in there, but try and get them to see it. There was no way anybody, if, if anybody had even known what compulsive eating was, was back in the, I mean, as far as the general population goes, and I'll wrap it up with this, you know, what um, compulsive eating was, nobody could have convinced me that I was a compulsive eater. Nobody. You know, it was just if I just lost weight, it's, which is a big difference from saying you have a problem with food, a big difference Um and so with that, I pass. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Margaret D. from Georgia. Pamela P., you're up. 
Hello, this is Pamela P. from Pennsylvania. Um, wow, so when I heard, when I read it, the first beginning line greatly affected. Um, I know the disease is scary because it all, it takes a one compulsive bite. And I in trouble if I eat my trigger food. And also... It's just something so powerful. It's like a allergy or something. So um, it's just, it hadn't been easy having this disease. Like I got a father, a strict resume about what time to eat, when to eat, either when to go to the gym and when to speak to my sponsor. Yesterday, well, I think it was my sponsor's birthday, whatever, on Sunday he busy, and I couldn't speak to him. So I thank God for a program, so many people to call. And I still slept because something happened, and I was around food after Sunday. And I usually don't be around food after Sunday as much as possible. And I weighed myself this morning. I was glad that I didn't gain no weight. And almost make the disease say, hey, you got away. You didn't gain weight and you still ate extra bites. So it kind of motivating the disease. So I'm just, it's scary. That's why I get up very early, pray, talk to God, listen to meetings, listen to this meeting, then listen to the tire of this meeting recording. You know, because I need the program or I'm going to die. Without the program, I would die. I know it. So it, 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 that's scary. I understand how an alcoholic feel, a drug addict feel, or anyone. It's a very dangerous disease. And sometimes I feel when people look at me, they wouldn't even know I had a disease sometimes. I do not a normal. But inside, it's a monster that is dying to take over. This disease could kill me. It almost killed me like four or five times. So I thank God for visiting for you. A great meeting. Nice to hear all the amazing recovery. And I don't feel like nothing wrong with me because I know God loves me. Even am I inadequate? Am I imperfect? He don't want me to be perfect. He perfect. He did for me. So thank you to let me have voice today. Pamela P. from Pennsylvania. I pass. Thank you so much, Pamela. Jen F., you are up. If you want to split it, you could each do two and a half minutes, and we can wrap things up. Go ahead, Jen, you're up. Sure. Did you say if I could split it, I was coming off mute? Yeah, yeah. So we got five minutes. If you do two and a half, and Heather does Sure, that sounds good. Just cut me off then, if you don't mind. <laughs> hey, everyone. <clears throat> I'm Jen F., recovering in Massachusetts, and... Oh, grateful to be reading this. It just took me back. You know, I was a young person when I came to OA. I, I came to my first meeting when I was just out of college, and I cried through that whole meeting and then left and convinced myself that, you know, these old retired ladies were, you know, it was different for them. Or it was, you know, going to be too hard for me. I needed to date and get married before I could, you know, address this little food issue I had. Um, but, you know, my disease, my disease was um, my great teacher. But, no, it does not matter. Um, and I have lots of people who tried within a way to get me to see it. You know, that I remember exactly where I was 
um, in grad school, exactly what room of my apartment I was in, when someone in her 50s, um, late 50s, early 60s, was telling me she ate through her, um, her childbearing years, that she'd been alone eating. And she was trying to tell me so that I would get abstinent and, like, you know, stick to it. And it didn't matter. You know, she couldn't get me to see it. I saw that I had a problem, but I did not know the solution. Um, you know, there was the woman in meetings who would call me Jen the Jaywalker because I kept relapsing and picking up after periods of abstinence. Um, but that's not what the, you know, the qualifier at the beginning of this um, chapter is. We learned that we had to fully concede to our innermost selves that we were compulsive readers or alcoholics. It was only when I conceded to my innermost self that I have this thing, that I am someone for whom only a miracle is going to work, that I am desperate and doomed, and that I, this does work. Right. Regardless of your age or your you know, job status, marital status, you know, age, that this will work, this set of instructions, that was when, um, that was when Time we came together. Thanks. That's it. Thanks, Amy. Perfect timing. All right. Thank you so much. Jen S. from Massachusetts. Heather M., you're up. Hi. Good morning, everyone. I'm Heather M. from Indiana, a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, so, you know, when reading this paragraph, it immediately made me think, about I was in my late 20s and I have a family member who was in OA and I remember her telling me about it and I remember kind of laughing at it and thinking you know that's silly you know ovaries are non overeaters anonymous that sounds silly to me um, and though when questioned she would you know gently give me answers of her experience and that I still kind of scoffed at it and thought it was a joke. But as the years went on, I began to see a change in her, not just physically, but there was a spiritual change in her. There was a change in the way that she handled situations, the way that she handled people, and, and just life itself. And so that began to convince me that she had something that I wanted and that maybe there was really something to this whole OA business. So when I came into the rooms and I heard someone share their story that's the convincing part that's where I saw okay this was for me and it just makes me think about the importance of carrying the message in order to carry something that means I have it in my possession everywhere I go and so I'm living that out and so the best way to convince anyone that they may be one of us is to just truly carry the message to be the message to live it and to be able to share the experience with people without being aggressive but in love and letting them see the change in us and I'm just so grateful for this program and for the change that it brings in us. Um, man, it's just a new way of living, and it's glorious, and it's beautiful, and I'm just grateful for that. And so I wanted to share that this morning with all of you. My pass. Thank you so much, Heather M. And on that note, we all carried the message today. Thanks, everyone, who shared, particularly Team Monday, your service. Greatly appreciated. Please continue to join us for another second awesome unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing. The share ID for today's recorded meeting, um, Monday, October 10th, 2022, 7 a.m. Eastern Time Vision for You meeting is 19.
498. That's 19,498. We will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Vanessa G., could you please take us out? Sure. Thank you, Amy. This is Vanessa G., recovered in New Mexico. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we only know a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.